What's up, listeners? Welcome to Predator vs. Movies. I'm Alex. I'm Peter. Jesus Christ. Peter's Peter's back back. and fucking it up already. I'm back. Uh, And this is a podcast where we discuss and review the latest movie releases. Uh, We're going to start off with a non-spoiler review before diving into a deeper discussion of the film, and then we're going to ask the most important question, would this movie be better if the alien from Predator was in it? This week... After many weeks of it being out, we are going to finally review David Fincher's The Killer. And Peter is back. Peter's back. Peter. I'm back. Do you have any do you have any comments? Any comments on that, Peter? Um nothing. Uh it's just my absence has been greatly exaggerated. That's it. I don't think that's Thanks. true. I think you no, haven't been, been here for like a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have some other news for you. Uh, we got our Spotify wrapped, as did the yep. rest of the world, and we uh, we had some very interesting information. And uh, we actually have we need to have a serious discussion uh, yep. with you guys. Uh, so, I believe there are nine. There are nine people for whom we are the number one podcast. Some of those nine people might be in the room right now, <laughs> which is kind of embarrassing. But um, all I want to say is, so if, if any of you nine are listening, this doesn't apply to you. Uh, everyone else uh, who are not in that nine of the top, we're the top podcast for you, uh, smart now. Yeah. That's all I have to say. You got to put in some more work. You got to get in those like, reps. Nose. Yeah. This is your nose. This is the grindstone. I'm, they're touching. Uh, yeah. This is an audio format, so you can't see. They're imagine they're touching. Yeah. Nose grindstone, making good like con con contact. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's so what listen. you need to do. Yeah. So, so listen I need you better. to listen. Listen to me now, and keep listening to the podcast and all the podcasts, and make us your number one podcast for next year. Uh, yep. I want those numbers better be better be up. You have a year yeah. to do it. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. You heard him. He's the bad yeah. cop in this situation. You heard him. Yo, <laughs> what? Nice Yo, you can't so, put that on me. If you look, if 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 you don't smart up, uh, we'll we'll unleash Peter. You don't this is Peter at like ten percent power. Uh, you don't want to see him Bro, you don't want to see him even at thirty. Yeah. Thirty's scary. Thirty's scary, Peter. Imagine if Peter like, turns thirty. When Peter turns 87. years old, holy fuck. <laughs> Yo, what? Crazy. Is, he, is, his, his power supply is, is correlated directly <laughs> to his age? Exactly. What happened? Yeah. Okay, Peter, you're not making it past 100. I don't think it, can, yeah. I don't think it works like that. Anyways, uh, we have some quick bites for you. Uh, maybe oh. if I get my phone open and ready. Mm. First quick bite. Thank you. Um, yeah. This will be Peter's first quick bite as well. Uh, George Santos, the re- Republican I'm uh, person, senator, I know, politician, legend, uh, yeah. who was recently like kicked out of Congress for like just embezzling substantial amounts yeah. of money and being a piece of work. Anyways, a movie about him is in the works at HBO uh, from the Veep EP, Frank Rich. That's from Deadline. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> See, quick bites is really it's really working. We're doing great. Uh, next quick bite. I don't have anything to say about that. Uh, Kevin Feige says they will not resurrect Iron Man. 
Uh, we're gonna, he says, we're gonna keep that moment and not touch that moment again. We all worked very hard for many years to get to that. We would never want to magically undo it in any way, and that's from Vanity Fair. Liar. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, some people were saying, like... A mile a <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what's from you tell them. <laughs> you tell them. Uh, some people were saying that, like, they offered to RDJ, and he was just like, no. And so this is the yeah. response. Like, I'm just kidding. Okay, we'll never do it. <laughs> this time I'm serious, because yeah. he won't. He, he won't. Uh, new, new quick bite for you. Players yeah. for the Squid Game reality TV series needed chapstick in the dorm so badly that they ended up using lubricated condoms on their lips during filming. Uh, and that's from EW. That's crazy. EW, more like ew, which is my one word. Yeah. It's like a, it's like salt burn from what I understand. Kind of, mm. not really. Yum. All the things that <laughs> happened in that movie. Yeah. Haven't seen yeah. it. So I don't know. Neither have I, and I don't want to. Uh, last quick bite I have for you guys. David Zaslav says, Scrapping films for tax write-offs took courage. Uh, here's, some, here's some words from him. What, con- what content is going to help us win? The content that wasn't. <laughs> we made a strategic decision on. It was p- difficult and painful, but it was necessary. That's from TheVerge.com. Cap. <laughs> Cap. Look, just like, stop being such a, a piece of work, you know. Or, or, or end it. Just. Stop. I don't. I don't want to say the other thing, but like, yeah. or yeah. Yeah. Apparently, like, some government body in the U.S. is like looking into this tax write-off bullshit because they're like something's something smells fishy about this i agree it's very weird uh i don't think you should be able to allowed to do that i think they should just like cut that program altogether. i think sure i don't think you should be able to throw up other people's movies and get money for it i think if you if you're throwing it out that's that's your loss not your gain um that's my one word on that uh, we're moving on into the trailer park. <laughs> oh, three times today? That's yeah. crazy. Well, because you're back, and so there's oh, three motorcycles now. Let's go. It's, yeah. it's one rev per person. It's yeah, a rev per person kind of process. Yeah. Uh, but apparently there was a Comic-Con. Peter, what is XP? CCXP. I don't remember what the XP stands for. I have no so. idea what it stands for. I think it's in Brazil, though. I was going to say, maybe it's Sao Paulo then. Like, I think that would be it. Um, So it turns out there's a Brazilian Comic-Con. This is news to me. That's my quick bite. Um, I go, wow. Uh, So we've got some trailers from there. Uh, First up, we have um, Furiosa. This is the long-awaited, this has been in the works for a while, uh, prequel series to Mad Max Fury Road uh, by George Miller. Oh, what? I thought it was a movie. No, 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 no. It's a movie. Did I see a series? Oh, I you didn't see a series. series. I, I meant movie. Sorry, it's a prequel movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Peter's making a face at me. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I just... Okay, okay, okay. Sorry for interrupting. But I just Googled CCXP, and the first headline that popped up is someone threw something at Florence Pugh 
Yeah. Uh, during her appearance with Doom Part 2 panel at CCXP. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I, I saw that. I chose not to have that as a quick bite, but uh, impromptu quick bite. Don't. What the fuck? Mm. Don't, mm. don't don't do that. throw things at Florence, Miss Miss Pew. Uh, anyways, so uh, Furiosa uh, stars Anya Taylor Joy as uh, the Charlie's their own role. Furiosa and Chris Hemsworth is in there. Yes, and he's Very Australian. He's finally Australian, like some of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like like the third yeah. most listened country. Yeah, yeah. Peter, give uh, a shout out to our Australian listeners in in their home accent. Bro, I can't. Dude, I can barely tell an Aussie accent from a New Zealand accent. That was actually really good. Did you see what he did there, Aiden? I, Dude, I didn't do I was, shit! Yeah. Oh wow, that's oh, like the whoa. best accent oh, I've ever heard. Fuck out of here, you guys. I didn't realize you oh, had that in your Guys, we're like whoa. less than 20 minutes in, and you guys are already <laughs> where trolling. Were you, where were you born? Like Bris- Brisbane? From Brisbane, yeah. Queensland? Melbourne. Yeah. Should, shouldn't I? Yeah, anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and you were going to say something about the trailer. You were going to say something say- real. I was gonna say I have not seen any of the Mad Max movies, so the, uh, this looks like it is like the other ones, specifically mm-hmm. Fury Road. It looks like it's in the same thing. Good job on that. It looks consistent. Uh, might watch it, might not. I have not seen any of the movies, but looks looks good. Looks pretty cool. Intrusive, in, interesting non-take. <laughs> but I mean, what what can you yeah, do? Yeah. Uh, Peter, what did you think about this trailer? <laughs> Uh, it's very, uh, it's very sandy. Lots of yeah. sand. Yeah, sandy. I was thinking yeah. the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, I saw that. Yeah, it was giving me Dune vibes. Yeah, yeah. Sand, no, no. Arabia. Sand, sand, no, not Arabia. Sand yeah. Dune vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but not gonna lie, I couldn't tell it was Anya for a sec. Until yeah, like, actually, uh, that's true. I agree. Until a little later in the trailer. But, uh, oh, the visuals look cool. And, uh, I think George Miller's back, so... He did yep. Fury Road, so um, it's probably going to be years pretty in line. Belonging. He did do that. Yep. Wait, he seriously, that was him. Yep. The yep. Uh, the Idris Elba movie with the, he also did uh, Tony's win. Yep. He also did Babe, Pig in Pig or, in the City. I didn't know that. I don't know. I don't know which one he did because Pig in the City isn't that the second one? Oh, I don't know. I could not tell you. Oh, maybe he did do Pig in the City because wow. he didn't do the first one. He did do. Wow. So he did the sequel to Babe, Babe That's Pig awesome. in the City. He also did at least one of the Happy Feet. I think both. I did know that. I did he know did that. the Happy Feet? Yeah. That's so fucking He wild. did the Happy Feet movies. Yep. Uh, what a career. But anyways, yeah. uh, I've seen all of the uh, Mad Max movies. Uh, so I am, I suppose, the resident, uh, what would you call that, expert by default. Sure. Um, I, funny enough, I saw... Fury Road was the first one I saw, and then, you know, years later I watched all right. of them in pretty quick succession. And Fury Road is not my least favorite, but also not one that I like love. Um, so I, I think the first two are my favorites. For the second one is the best. Um, but what I will say is, uh, it's it's interesting to see a younger actor try to emulate an older actor in Anya Taylor-Joy doing Charlie's Thereon. Um, it it comes across quite differently 
and I'm I mean I'll I'll wait to see the movie obviously but I'm not sure if it'll have the same kind of like feeling to it if that makes sense like Charlize I feel like not an actor who like I I know a lot of her work but I feel like from what I recall of that movie is she has quite like um not like maybe a gravitas or like she has like a, a weight to the role just I mean in part due to the fact that like she's an older actor not that not, not to say like she's old but like she yeah. is like not Anya Taylor Joy's age you know sure yeah um, this is correct and I don't know I feel like they're trying to make a kid act like an adult this is kind of what I'm trying to say well Anya Taylor Joy is like 25 or something she's not like a kid I know but like comparatively you know sure. and like trying to make um a character yeah I don't okay. know we'll see but I'm I'm interested to see Chris Hemsworth do something different yeah uh, this will be the... a post post Marvel thing so He's, uh, he looks so goofy though you know what I mean he's With, a uh, goofy he's a long hair beard is weird yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh Second trailer that came out uh, that we're going to talk about is Godzilla X Kong, yeah. uh, the new empire. Lots yeah. of empires next year. Yeah. Frozen Empire, I, I think, is what it's called. Yeah, this I, one. to be perfectly clear, don't give a fuck about uh, whatever empire, like what plot they're establishing. I don't care what they're doing. Like, I just like mm. there's the one shot of them running together, and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. a monkey and a lizard for sure. I don't know, man. I'm I'm getting I'm getting big Infinity War vibes. You have them running together, and one of them is like has a, a yellow no, metallic is, gauntlet. Yeah, but this it's big monkey and big wizard. Like it's just not the same thing. Like, you have it, no idea. That is so how, funny. This, the, eth- the ethos of the movie is just different. I can already tell. I'll, <laughs> I'll be there for it. <laughs> yeah. You like Infinity War though. You weren't you it's very one of the vocal better, about? Infinity yeah. War is one of the better MCU movies, I think, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, looks like there's a shape-shifting monkey. Not sure what that's about. I got very confused. Wait, is that mini-monkey supposed to be bad? That was the vibe I was getting, but I could not tell you. There's a lot of of monkeys in this one, let me tell you. And I I just... I'm coming hot off the heels. As we'll talk about later, I I watched Godzilla Minus One. So I'm already... I'm seeing this trailer kind of lizarded up here. And so to see both lizard and monkey, it's a little like that's kind of a natural progression on what it's like. I, it's what like I've the, been experiencing lately. And that's it's like crazy. the predator, the predator meme where they're like they've grasped hands and they're like yeah. clutching and biceps. It's like that, but like one is monkey and one is lizard. Yeah, you can exactly. Like Although if that. fans of the franchise will remember that they did do that by the end of the previous movie as well. I think we're building. Oh, that's crazy! I didn't yes. see that movie, exactly. <laughs> so I could yeah. not tell you. Okay, uh, not gonna lie though. Like when when uh, when they first announced Godzilla versus Kong, like the first one. Yeah. I was just like, why are they fighting? Dude, <laughs> like, this, it seems I like such a remember. commercial movie. You know, what I, I mean? saw that so movie, like, and I don't know if I can even tell you why they. Were. I think there's something about like they're all the big 
animals, and there could one is the king, and one of them has to be the best. And oh no no no, I do remember the that's, movie that's opens Godzilla with King of, that's Godzilla King of Monsters. Don't get it. No 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 no. This because that's in the same canon as this. That's part. This movie. Uh, well, opens. I know that. Yeah. Kong vs. Mm-hmm. Godzilla opens with like a bracket animation of all the different animals that Kong and Zilla have taken out individually, and it oh, ends with really? them being, yeah, and it ends with them being like, <laughs> like, so funny. like the finalists, and so that's I, yeah, it's coming back to me. The, they they have to be the big, the biggest big guy. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, because yeah. Kong has to take the title because he has to be the king because he was just yeah. Kong for a bit. He has right. to be King Kong. Um. I had something to say, but now I'm like totally thrown off. <laughs> Yo, I'm Team Lizard, by the way. I support I'm my Team Lizard Monkey boy. for sure. I'm definitely Team for Lizard. For real? Yeah. Even after minus one? Minus one is. We'll get into it. That that was good that's... lizard propaganda for sure, but I'm still Team Monkey here. Bro, <laughs> you are so monkey pilled, isn't it? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, Yo, I man, am pretty you're so, so fucking monkey pilled. It has Dan Stevens in it, I'll also say. Oh, that's Legend crazy. himself, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Mr. Beast himself. <laughs> Mr. <Yeah>. Beast. <laughs> trying to describe, I like Dan Stevens, and trying to describe the things he's been in is very hard. It's like, oh, you know, did you ever see Legion? No. Okay, uh, I mean, he, underneath all the CGI, he was Beast and Beauty and the Beast, and I'm like, oh, I saw that, I like, I like that. And I'm like, yeah, so imagine him, but not furry, <laughs> not beast. like, right. not a beast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the other, you know, it's hard. Anyways, uh, I think we should get to our movie that we did watch. Uh, tell us about it, Aiden. We watched the Pew Pew Killer. It was directed by David Fincher, screenplay by Andrew Kevin Walker, <laughs> based on the a graphic novel by the same name by Alexis Matz, Nolant, and Luke Jackamon. Uh, starring, <laughs> it, has, it has the quotations. I had to, uh, but anyway, it's starring Mike, Michael Fassbender, Arliss Howard, um, Tilda Swinton, and more. Cinematography by Eric Messerschmidt. Uh, I will just shout out his music by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, as as has been the case with Fincher movies for a little while now. Uh, release date September 3rd. That was in Venice. Uh, and then the United States release brought in theaters was October 27th. Uh, and then November 10th was the Netflix release, so it's it's been out out in the out in the boat for a while. Runtime's 118 minutes. Box offices, uh, I have 425 thousand uh, dollars, and there's just I don't believe I don't I question that, and I yeah. also don't have the budget here. So it's a limited release, anyways. It was a limited yeah, release, but like I don't know. It's also a streaming movie, mostly. So whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for the uh, the information. Uh, with that, we will go into our next segment, uh, our classic game, the Predacritic game. And in this game, we are going to guess. Is that the soundbite? Is that the soundbite for that? <laughs> just. Are you just saying uh, it in French? I just say it. I would just. You just say it most times? Just keep going. <laughs> We're gonna guess where the killer scores on Metacritic's uh, score. I actually so don't I've mind spun... going first for this one because I feel like I have a good idea of where it is. That's okay. That it's not your turn, though. Will volunteering to go so, first? No, I've spun the wheel. It wasn't a volunteer. I've spun the wheel as I'm supposed to, uh, and Peter is actually going first. Oh. Oh. Hey, do you want to go before me? No. No, no I don't. <laughs> no. 
Okay, I'm gonna take a wild punt on this one. 78. A wild punt. Yeah. <laughs> that is a wild punt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm spinning the wheel again, and it looks like it's my turn, unfortunately. Let's go. So That's so dis- awesome. Despite the wheel loves being me. okay. The I know, the random loves wheel loves me. Me. <laughs> I'm gonna clear yeah. my cookies or yeah. something. This is bullshit. Yeah. Um, 78. Hmm. I, uh. See, I know 78 is a good score. I it's not a wild punt. I don't know why. It you is call not it a that. wild punt. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost probably a bullseye, but we'll see. Um, I'll play it safe, and I, I feel like maybe there's a chance people will like it more than that. So I'll go with 79. See, I I was thinking a little bit lower than that, so I was always going to go 77. No, no. Always going to go 77. We're saving Peter. No, this we did save Peter, but I just go. don't think it's 80. I just don't think it's there. Well, let's find out, shall we? Shoust. And so fuck nervous. me. So uh, it's actually lower than all of us guessed. So yeah, I was going to guess like 72. I was going to be right on the money, even if I had shot off rip. Uh, Let's yeah. go. So, so with that, uh, as the winner, Aiden <laughs> does get to tell us what the... Yo, you're so monkey punk today. What is going on, bro? <laughs> Uh, so with that, if we can contain ourselves, Let's we're going to give our non All right, reactions. so I watched a movie called The Killer. Full disclosure, as I've t- uh, said this to my co-host before we started, I saw this movie in theaters in October, I believe, uh, or earlier November. Haven't seen it since. So I'm going off of memory for the most part here. Uh, this is a movie that I honestly don't have that many criticisms for, but I just didn't love. Like, I think that it's very precisely crafted. I think that there are some interesting ideas in it. I think that it, I, you know, and it's kind of hard to criticize for me because it's like, on the one hand, I'm like, well, it felt a little underwhelming. But then on the other hand, on the other hand, like, movies don't need to be some grand thing. And this movie was what it was, and it was at the scale that it was, and that's fine. Um, I think that, like, maybe some of the internal monologue was a little cringy but at the same time i think that's the tone of the movie i think it's supposed to be this kind of tongue-in-cheek sort of monologue going on here um yeah i I think that like maybe i it felt like we were nearing an ending a little bit sooner than we did like i I think during the last chapter or so i was like what's happening because it kind of felt like the main thing had ended but i still thought it worked fine like i i wouldn't even necessarily criticize that because i was kind of right back in it as soon as i realized what was happening um i think it's shot well i think it's directed well but i just don't like there is just isn't much about this movie that like really grabbed me i think it was just kind of something that went past me um so i this is like a four star movie to me like three and a half and just kind of like based on just kind of like respect for it like i just think it's well made um yeah, but not not going to be high on my favorites of the year. So I, I would recommend it. I think most people are going to have fun watching this. I think it's a well-made, uh, enjoyable movie. Cool. Uh, did you did you give your uh, score ranking? Yeah, he said three and a half. I said four. Oh, I said four. four. Land on four. four. Okay. Uh, Peter, Four's what, what I gave on Letterboxd. Peter, what do you think about this movie? Okay, so there are parts of this movie that I really love and there are just parts that I just don't vibe with at all um, like 
a little bit of tangent. So John Wick Two's always been my favorite John Wick. Sure. Um, so many reasons, but one of them yeah. being like I actually saw like John executing like a like a hitman job, which I thought was very cool. So like basically this entire movie was Michael Fassbender, like doing doing his job, like not for money this time, for personal reasons, um, and. Um, like that part is always really cool. Like really seeing the stone kill, uh, stone cold killer aspect of a hitman coming out, and actually like legit, there are so many moments I was like, okay, like that guy's gonna walk away, but then you know, Michael Fassbender just shoots him, um, and I think like that aspect is what what like elevates the movie for me. Like it's very rare I think these days we see like someone who's like doing a job such as hitman, but like truly like dead inside you know cold like like having like being very very professional throughout the actual process even though like technically he's not being professional we'll get to that um but like the parts i don't like is i find it very hard to like emotionally empathize with any of the characters even though there's like uh as you guys may know there's like a rich internal monologue situation going on between michael fassbender and himself like, I find it very difficult to empathize with him, his motive, and, like, eventually at the end, like, I just thought the ending was funny. It, there's, like, no catharsis there whatsoever. It's just, like, I like I chuckled when the movie ended. Uh, so, like, to me, I think there are parts I really like, there are parts I really don't like, but I end up giving it a 3 out of 5, which I think is a little harsh upon first viewing. Very Probably, harsh. like, a 3 and a half, honestly. Sure. But, uh... I still recommend people to go see it. I think it's a very unique movie, unique take on the Hitman genre, with like so many of them focus more on the action or like the spy thriller aspect. Like this one really keeps it grounded and really tried to like make it as faithful as possible. And I think that's just like really cool to see. So I still recommend everyone to go see it. I think uh, it's a good movie. It's just not for me. Okay, I'm gonna swoop in with the hot take. Mm. This is uh one of my favorite movies this year so i've seen this movie twice uh not not recently but i have seen it more than once once in theaters and once on netflix um and i think that second watch is really instrumental in kind of un like fully enjoying it because i uh, i did find after first viewing a lot of like f similar feelings uh underwhelmed like being underwhelmed I think was was something I felt after the first one I was just kind of surprised I I don't know that the the movie that was marketed I feel like was maybe purposefully like a little bit different than what we actually got um, it is not I don't think I don't think it's it's not ever trying to be John Wick uh, just no. you know bouncing off what uh, Peter had mentioned but um, it's it's going for a very different thing. It's not um, it's not about the you know crazy like it's not it's not a popcorn like entertainment movie so much as it is a a look like it's a character study of this like detached hollow um, person who is like so um, living such like a, a, a repressive and minimalist life um, and then just kind of watching them like like almost fall from grace even though it wasn't really grace to begin with but as they slowly 
it's it's so interesting to me the more I think about this movie how it's it's a character like discovering his own humanity but that's a bad thing like we're we're portraying this fall um, from like detachment as a bad thing instead of a good thing um, and so yeah I just I really I really found this character to be quite interesting uh, I don't know if empathy is the right word I don't know if I empathized with the character but I I found them very very interesting and and there were a few moments where I was maybe empathizing with kind of like the fear they felt per se um, what else can I say I think it's directed very well like uh, like Aiden said um, um, I, I really like the narration I, I think it's actually very funny I think it's a very funny movie yeah. you guys kind of alluded to that but I think I think a, a rewatch makes it very very clear just how funny this movie is uh, I think again the first watch kind of like you don't it's hard to understand like what it is Fincher's going for in this um, but yeah I really enjoyed it it's quite entertaining I think it, it subverts the genre as much as it is like uh, a piece of it um, but yeah like I, I can also see why some people and lots of people actually uh, are kind of like not sure what to make of this and a feeling of like it not being quite iconic or, or part of like the, the, the Fincher canon perhaps mm. uh, but I, I'm excited to discuss it so I think I give it four maybe the first time and I give it four and a half the second time uh, so you know somewhere between there is what I'd rank it uh, like I said maybe my I think I might have put it at my fourth favorite, favorite film of the, of the year um, I just love it I love the vibes uh, and I would definitely tell people to go check it out so with that uh, I do actually have to uh, synopsize this movie yep. uh, and uh, Aiden's going to tell us something really important I'm not Oh yes, I am. Yes, I am. Uh, so spoiler, <laughs> got you spoiler again. review. Uh, spoiler. Well, I thought I thought because you saw me looking at something else because I was pulling up my ranked list because I was curious about that. I thought you sure. noticed that and thought I was going to say nope. something, but no. Uh, so spoiler time. Pew, 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 wee, 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 wee. Uh, if you don't want the spoilers, get the fuck out of here, man. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, so I have two minutes to sum up, uh, summarize this movie, uh, and I'll do so in. Three, two, one. Okay, so uh, Michael Fassbender is a killer, and he's waiting out in Paris. He's trying to do a hit on the people across the street. Takes a little while for them to show up, but he eventually does, and he's ready to do it. And he's narrating the whole time, and he's like, "Oh, I'm such a badass. I this is why I'm so good at my job because I'm methodical." And then he fucking misses, and he kills uh, the woman in leather, and then he has to run away. And so he's running away because he fucked up the job. And he ends up in the Dominican Republic, which is where his home and his girlfriend is. He discovers, but uh-oh, his girlfriend has been attacked, and it's very uh, upsetting. And she's not going to die. She's okay. Um, but he's quite mad now, and he's going to figure out who did this. So he finds he finds out there was a taxi, and so he discovers the taxi, and he finds the taxi driver. He finds out information from the taxi driver. He kills the taxi driver. He goes to his employers in New Orleans, uh, and he kills him and finds the his receptionist and she tells him the contacts of the people who killed or no who attacked his wife uh, wife girlfriend or whatever and the person uh, the client who ordered that to happen so he goes to Florida to fight this massive guy and there's a big big fight and it's really hard and he kills the guy he was the guy who like really brutalized his girlfriend and then he finds Tilda Swinton in New York she's living quite a lavish life as a hitman and um 
and he kills her. She's about to stab him, and he kills her. Uh, after they talk, they talk and they talk about the, um, a hunter, and it's a pretty funny story. And then he goes to Chicago, where the client is, Artless Howard, and um, he breaks in after like buying a fob copier on Amazon, and he's gonna kill Artless Howard. And then the Artless Howard doesn't even know who he is, and he's like, "Fine, but if if you retaliate." I'll kill you. Oh, and Arliss Howard didn't even care. Like, he's not mad or anything. So then he goes back to the Dominican Republic, and he tries to relax, and he twitches his eye. Did you forget to talk about the lawyer? Nope. I didn't call him the lawyer, but I said he goes to employers in New Orleans, and he kills him. He's a lawyer. And he is a lawyer. Uh, So why don't we kick it off with our classic question that we sometimes forget. What is your favorite part? You guys go first. You guys go okay. first. <laughs> then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'll, then I can I'll, I can go. I have then multiple actually. Sure. Great. So, I think um, like honestly, this movie I felt like genuinely is like, like the the sum of its parts is lesser than the individual parts themselves. That's my opinion. Sure. sure. Um, like there are some really cool bits. Uh, and Alex, like I think you probably want to talk about the motorcycle editing stuff because I saw you posting about it, but. Uh, I? I was, like the beginning in Paris like Didn't I just send it in the group chat yeah yeah so okay I wouldn't I, call it posting about it but sure I was okay. like did I post but anyways, I'm gonna leave that to you I thought that was super cool as well I'm not gonna talk about um, it really really love like the the tone shift in uh, when he was tracking down <laughs> the taxi driver like uh, when he was in the Dominican Republic like you know like like he's like begging for his life you know it's like please you know i'll do anything just let me live and then like there's like you can't see like a like a second a millisecond regret like within his eyes but then like he, he shot him anyways like that that frame is so sick in my opinion like that entire sequence just tells you what kind of movie this is gonna be like at the beginning you're like okay it's a hitman you know he's like very mysterious a little dead inside you know very typical hitman like origin story or like uh beginning like the initial sequence but then that sequence really tells you this movie means business like innocence bystanders they are not safe like they will die because you know they've seen him and they know who he is so um i thought like that 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 sequence was just really well directed and like it really amplifies the fear of the the taxi driver and like the contrast michael fassman just being so cool so calm the whole time and just like point aim and shoot like like it just feels like reflex at that point for him shooting a gun so really love that part and then uh i another part i really like was uh the part at the very end where he you know he went through all this effort you know going to the gym getting a membership in the gym copy this guy's fob you know do all these things just to get like unseen and man just snuck in this like multi-million billion dollar apartment and then he showed up like a random guy and then the guy just taking a phone call I was like oh okay i guess i gotta go now <laughs> and then it's gonna be the biggest blue ball in history where like he's like he expects like this guy to like, like oh yeah you're him right okay you know like have a whole confrontation about it but the guy's like i don't even know who you are you know i thought that was really really funny but um and like uh, honestly a brilliant way to wrap up the movie so two of my favorite parts yeah maybe. uh Dominican Republic, uh, I think the taxi scene was cool, but that one is, um, if I recall correctly, most of it is from one angle, 
Uh, I mean, it does cut to uh, perspective behind the back seat, but a lot of it is from like the, like a dash cam almost, kind of like yeah. dashboard type uh, space. And so like the simplicity of that, I think is really awesome. Um, and I will definitely talk about the anti-climax maybe a little bit later that you've pointed out there uh, when he goes to the penthouse. But um, I think that scene is very, very interesting um, on like a, like a textual kind of analytical way. But maybe I'll hold off on that for now. Cool. Okay, I thought of uh, I thought of a favorite part because I think my my favorite thing about this movie is just I'm always a big fan of uh, simple intentional shot choice uh, mm-hmm. and not doing anything too. I you know I just I don't like when movies are over directed and I think this movie is not and that's nice. Uh, there are a few standout moments. Uh, or standout sequences that relate to that but I will specifically point out this is in the first chapter it's when he takes his shot and it goes wrong and just the use of shaky freehand camera shaky cam which I since learned I think was done in post which I think is it's executed well though because it doesn't look Mm. too it doesn't look too bad uh, or it looks good I didn't catch that in the theater Um, but yeah like what shots are stable what shots are freehand how that correlates to his heart rate um, like and just like the situation that's going on it's like the world his world is shocked I think this is a very subjectively filmed movie and so as soon as things have gone wrong and as soon as his kind of his whole understanding of the world is kind of shattered by this because his entire uh, like mantra has been has crumbled a little bit and so it's like his entire world is shaking and so he has to uh, and and then like specifically within the sequences like when does he feel more confident like when is like okay I'm getting back into it when are we fixed when are we not like I just think there's it's really just well done and I just remember seeing every single shot and being like good that's the right shot yes and every yeah. single cut every single cut I was like yes good 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 yeah yeah I I also noticed yeah the the camera is taken off the tripod as soon as he makes that mistake uh, and I think that's a very clearly like you know the the choice has a lot of meaning imbued in it um i also was gonna say the first chapter is my favorite part uh i just love how like patient it is and it's it's very slow and and he's he's giving out his narration he's like philosophizing and and moralizing about what he does and i just found everything he was saying was so captivating not to say that I, you know, I obviously do not agree with most of what he's saying, but it's so interesting. Like, it's such a, a well-rounded, like, character. Um, all the things he's saying is, are very interesting. Um, yeah, very methodical shot choices. Like, there's the bit where he's, like, doing yoga. is so cool. Uh, like, there's that lovely shot from above where only the tips of his fingers, his gloved fingers, are in focus. That's super cool. Um... And, yeah, I, I mean, very cool that it takes 15 minutes for the, the thing to happen, I think is an awesome choice. Um, it, it lines up nicely with, you know, the classic screenwriting structure yeah. of, um, what's the term for it, the 15-minute Inciting one? incident. The inciting incident, thank you. Uh, so it lines up nicely, but just, just the patience of, like, we don't even see the guy until maybe, like, 10 minutes or 13 minutes, right. you know? And I, I feel like that's a, it's a good pace setter for the rest of the movie. It's, it's telling you, you know, this is not going to be your John Wick. It's not going to be wall-to-wall action. It's going to be boredom, 
I mean, that's part of the, the monologue he says, is if, if you're not used to boredom, this job isn't for you. Um, yeah, so, so that was probably my favorite, um, just because it, it is so quiet and still and thinky. So, uh, any, any comments on that, or should we uh, get into some other stuff? Yeah, like, I absolutely agree with you, and I think, like, um, a lot of, a lot of movies, uh, especially, like, today, the entire movie is really, like, kick-started kick by an accident, but, like, this movie, like, he's actually, in fact, actively trying to avoid conflict, like, he keeps telling himself, it's like, do not improvise, you know, uh, reject feelings or something like that, which I, like, even though like um, that makes it f for a less exciting movie, not really, because I think the movie is still quite exciting. Uh, it's like it's very real in a sense that like for someone in his profession, like these are indeed bad things, and you always want things to go to plan, and like, and you can see that like through throughout the movie, whether it's like you know his daily routine going up and down like the uh, building construction in Paris, or how he just so efficiently like you know grabs what he needs from a garage or like grab like switch out the license plates whatever like getting geared up for his next hit like i think like these like the how professional he is like throughout the movie even though like he's technically not being professional because you know he's totally off the rails when it comes to what he's supposed to do um is really like to me like the the coolest part of the movie like seeing how dexterous he is and like managing situations that is just like unimaginable for like normal people and like just cruising through them and the con the constant contrast of himself and the people surrounding him like how uh, like the one scene that pops out to me was uh when the secretary was locked in the car when he went into the garage to grab something like the secretary was desperately trying to get out and then she's like panicking while he just slowly walks back to the car knowing the door's locked so like these are just sequences that really pop in the movie for me and that's why i say like the movie the sum of its parts is lesser than the individual parts themselves so yeah uh, the scene that you just mentioned where she's locked in the car she's got her like hands probably zip tied together that's maybe one of my favorite shots from this movie is her hands it's an insert of her hands like trying to break free and it's like like it genuinely like scared scared me like and it's like a really like disturbing image because it's it's not quite abstract but it's it's like dark and and it's a weird angle of something you've never seen before that it's almost like inhuman like unnatural and it's it, it reminded me of like like the roar satch like blobs oh i i love that shot so much um i agree though like like the professionalism i think is what just makes this movie so distinct uh it's it's so interesting like the killer has so much in common with john wick and and i feel like we're just going to keep bringing this up but what what i like about this movie more than like that john wick doesn't do uh is that like like there's there's the similarities you know they've they've been they've had these personal attacks you know the the professional has become personal and so now they they're getting they're out to get their revenge but where John Wick is like, he's already lost it, and you know, like, all all hold, no holds barred is kind of already what's happening from the beginning. It's a slow like unraveling 
for our our main character here, the the killer who doesn't have a name. Um, so the the killer is is still like you said, very professional, still doing his job, and doesn't have like a lot of problems while he's doing the jobs. Like he he's makes a lot of mistakes, which uh, you know I want to talk about later. But um, it's it's fascinating like how much goes right, I guess, in this movie, and I and I like how it doesn't. Uh, it's it actively like resisting I think resisting against the um, the typical like the the uh, I had the right word for it like the the things that like are common to the genre they're like defying it um, and so yeah I, I found it very interesting that that he's he never he never fully slips and he's and he's professional throughout yeah, I will say uh, about the John Wick comparisons. Well, I think like it makes sense just because like on a like a very literal level of what the plot is, like they're similar. But I think these are very very different movies with very different yeah. goals right from the beginning. I think like I would almost argue that they're not the same genre because I I don't feel like I don't feel as much that I mean like they're kind of like broadly related. But I would say like John Wick, the goal of John Wick is cool well-motivated action sequences and that's the point Mm -hmm. of those movies and that is very much not the point of these i don't know if i would even call this a straight-up action movie even though like it kind of right exactly and so like i i i think they're actually quite separate movies no i I agree with you aiden i think like this movie is much more like it's slower obviously and more methodical in the sense that it's more like a <clears throat> John Wick is very much like a retired hitman got nothing to lose like you said Alex and then going about like he just wants peace and like he wants out now he's dragged back in again so he's reluctant to do what he does but like he still makes it very exciting because the world setting and everything but this movie is like purposely make you realize that it's like it's literally this guy's job you know to do this so like even though like um and like to him like uh it's very much like against what the job is supposed to be to be exciting you know like 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 alex like you mentioned like you know borden is good to him so it is very different from john wick it's like uh like to me it's like a more mellow and like uh uh like an indie take on on john wick you know Mm. like the it's the same motivation but like the movie itself is executed very differently sure i I understand what you mean by indie. I think you mean auteur, perhaps. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. It just means like like you feel the director's style. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I would think, say that I think what, John Wick movies are very stylish too, though, in their in in their own right. But I just think that it's a movie with uh, different goals. Yeah. And the other yeah. thing about John Wick, also John Wick is, I would say John Wick One is more of an indie film than that's true. This movie than the killer. No, yeah. absolutely. Uh, that's true. But anyways, uh, to to respond to the genre thing. Uh, I would say that yeah, it's the difference. I think here is is John Wick is like action, and this is thriller, um, and so you know, they both have elements of the other one, but I think this one falls more firmly into thriller. This, the I can't think of like a really good comparison for this movie, but one that is sort of popping into my mind is is a, a spy thriller. I feel like there's sure. a lot of similarities there, and so the one that I'm trying to remember the name of is Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is kind of coming to mind that one's a quite a slow movie although that one the focus is more on the mystery element of it um but yeah i think i i'm yeah i i 
I'm in total agreement that this is they have different aims. So so this is yeah. not so much the action flick, uh, you know, entertainment. This is not the roller coaster type movie as John Wick is. This is what is up with this character. And um, also, I'll say in terms of just tone and genre, genre. I think also what this movie really excels at is comedy. Um, I think, like Aiden pointed out, some of the dialogue is very cringy. And uh, some of them, the first time, I was like, oh, that's really weird. Why is he saying that? So, like, when he says, really, like, really slowly taking big pauses between each words, he's like, yeah, this is, I'm, you know why I'm good at my job? Because I don't give a fuck. And then he fires the gun. Like, I was like, oh, that's so, that's so weird of you to say. And, and later he's like, oh, like, she, oh, she, why does she live so close to the normies? And I was like, this guy <laughs> oh, yeah. talks so weird. But it's funny, and then uh, it kind of like occurred to me like that is part of it is like this it's this guy who talks such a big game in his head, and he's building up this persona yeah. of himself of like this guy who's so professional, so good at his job, and he's so above other people, and then consistently the movie is proving him totally wrong. So Correct. I think not only is like his dialogue is so funny, um, I had some other ones like. Like when he says WWJWBD, what would John Wilkes Booth do? What? Yeah, such yeah, a yeah. goofy ass thing to say. When he looks in the mirror and he like nods at himself, he's like, "Hey," like he's like, yeah. like he's just feeling himself. Um, I hope they're not planning a sleepover. Like, mm. like just just from the dialogue sense, a very funny movie. I will say, I don't find it that funny, but I do think it's like well character motivated. And what I like about it as well is that it's childish like the things that he's saying are pretty childish and i think that that's very intentional that he has these illusions of grandeur that come from a very just fundamentally immature view of life that masquerades itself as being something that's very like like i know the secret i've unlocked the truths that dwell beneath the surface or whatever um and i think like yeah and i think well, get to the Chicago scene, but that's why the Chicago scene works well is because that's who the character is set up to be. And so that scene and then also when he meets Tilda Swinton, I think are, yeah. So I like, I don't know. It's the funny thing. Like this is, I guess, one of my criticisms of the movie where it's like, I saw that and I understood like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like that is, I register it as a joke and I, I understand the motivation behind it. It's not like meaningless comedy. Not, I mean, meaningless, meaningless comedy can be good, but like, this is like very focused but it's just like yeah i don't know <laughs> like like it just it's the kind of thing where it's like i don't find that that funny and it just kind of washes over me a little bit and while i think like the idea behind it is interesting i also feel like yeah i i get it and like i don't know there's just yeah yeah no i understand i understand um i i definitely feel like again like first viewing i didn't find it quite as funny as i did the second time um I do. Hmm. I it's not to say like it's a laugh out loud funny. I right. think it is kind of like like it's an interior like a knowing yeah. like like you said like acknowledging like oh isn't that ironic or isn't that you know yeah um, yeah, yeah and I I think as well as the dialogue being funny I think what is maybe even more funny is the fact that like again it's that difference between the incongruity between him thinking he's such a great hitman and telling us how good of a hitman he is and then how many times throughout the movie he fucks up and like in pretty hilarious ways so <laughs> there's the one where he like the whole movie starts because he can't stop like ogling a woman in leather 
like that is why he fucks up the first time i like i think um mm. when he's in when he kills uh hodges the lawyer he he's like yeah he should last six maybe seven minutes and then he dies instantly and he's like I don't remember if he says anything. He says he shit like, or something. Yeah, yeah, I think he does. I think he's like, fuck, like, shit, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> that was so um, funny. I can't remember if it, Oh, the, the one that, like, the one that actually made me, like, laugh out loud when I saw it the first time in theaters was, like, during the brood fight, and he's in the kitchen, and he's, like, hiding, and he's, like, he's being, like, brutalized. This guy's, like, destroying him, and... He's like, like I need, I need a weapon to like level up my game. Oh, and he opens yeah, a drawer yeah. super quietly, and he reaches in and he pulls something out, and he doesn't see what it is. And then we we both see it at the same time, the audience and him, and it's a cheese grater. He, yeah. he thought he was getting a knife, and the face he makes is so funny. He's like, oh fuck, like like he knows he's fucked, and then yet like he still like completely uses it to his advantage. He throws it, distracts the guy, and the guy fires in that direction, and then he runs somewhere else. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. Very funny. Because I think another interesting wrinkle is that, like, as kind of his whole mentality, because I know, I know what you're saying that the movie does, while it's not an action movie, it does feel like a subversion of an action movie in some ways because it's like that is a beat where you would expect in an action movie, character reaches in a drawer, they pull out a knife, and now it's a knife fight, and now we're on to the next thing. And I think this movie is very concerned with, like, how you you build up a narrative of what life is in your head and how that, that comes from a variety of things and like you can you can convince yourself of it very well but that doesn't mean that it's not a it's not an impermeable thing and it's not static either and if you're if your understanding of the world isn't shifting then it's you know you know what i mean like and so i i do agree that like there are a lot of those beats like that where it's supposed to be it's like i've seen this before and i know how it's supposed to go but this is not how it goes um, but what I was going to say, what I think is interesting as well, I don't think it would be as interesting if he was just straight up bad at his job. It is interesting that he's still mm-hmm. pretty good at it. Like, and he still can yeah. adapt and everything. Like, cause like you said, like he, he makes the cheese grater work for him a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it's not, so I think that that's the thing I like about this movie as well, that it's not just straight up. Like, uh, it doesn't fall into like a completely like slapstick kind of just like, Oh, this guy's a dumbass. Like, oh, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very subtle. I found. Yeah. That's something I, I liked about this movie is, I think, I think it does a lot visually. I I think that maybe more so than other Fincher movies, it is requiring less of. Yeah, like like there's a lot less dialogue. It's there's a lot of maybe monologue dialogue, but um, I do think there's a lot of like looking and and silence. Um, yeah, I don't know, and and I and again, I think it's I think it's a subtle movie. Maybe not like super subtle. There's obviously right. more subtle movies, but as subtle as as Fincher might get, perhaps. Um, where should we take this? Uh, do you maybe want to tackle one of like the chapters? Um, sure. I feel like I feel like we talked to the first one a lot. I feel like maybe we've covered chapter one, the Target Paris. Any sure. any other things from that? If I'm missing some, nope. Okay. Uh, second chapter is Dominican Republic. Um, one thing that I I didn't write down, but I thought was really funny, is when he's trying to get into the taxi place at night, and it, like he's he's gonna break in. Um, he does this really hilarious, like act like prayer action, but he almost does it in like, 
You know the the anime human like the way you move your hands. <laughs> like you know, the cosplayer, what would you call that? The, the cosplayer yeah. TikTok thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the cosplayer yeah. TikTok the thing, movement. The thing like that I always do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're not the only one. Yeah. People would do that, but basically, yeah. like a very like emphasize like weird moment. Anyways, so he he does like a, a little prayer action that I think is I I find so funny. Um, <laughs> There's something else about the the Dominican Republic. Uh, I don't recall. Man, I wish I remember what that was. Anyways, um, anything else for this segment? I, I don't have that chapter. much to say about this. I know chapter. you guys this are, is, are this bouncers is, today, this and I'm. This is another chapter. This is another chapter where I was just like, yeah, I think just like checking into my enjoyment of the movie. This is one where. For the first one, I was like, this is really cool. The second one, I was just like, okay. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. as soon as, like, I mean, like, my guard was a little up as soon as I saw, like, they came into his house and beat the shit out of his girlfriend. Because that's not what I thought the movie, like, that's an example of, like, I didn't think the movie was going to be about that. And I see, I remember see, distinct, yeah. I remember distinctly feeling like, oh, so this is going to be, like, a revenge thing. And I'm thankful it didn't really turn into that. But I... I remember thinking that it was just, oh, this is what I wanted it to be. Okay, now I'm remembering. I wanted the movie to just, at that point, be him constantly trying to do things to get out of the specific scenario of he missed the shot in Paris, and every action he takes, he makes a mistake, and it snowballs, and that's what the plot is. And so when he can't, like, I think it still winds up being pretty much that, but as soon as, like, there was, there was the girlfriend in the hospital, I was like, I was a little let down because I was like, I think it's more interesting if it's just like this one mistake is just everything instead of it being like this one mistake happened and then also this happened. And even though it happened because of this, like I to me, like, I don't know. I just th- I thought it would have been more interesting if it was just like kind of a like staying with him as he tries to get out of this and it just keeps g- growing. Yeah, I yeah, no, I can definitely see that movie play out and I, I feel like also that's almost like that that is what you would expect I think also and I guess maybe trying to take the side of the movie I think what's interesting is that the thing is like it is just a job and for a while it is just a job and, and he fucked up the job and he never fucks up the job and just the next thing he has to do is go home like you, you screw up sure. at work what do you do next you go home and in just this particular scenario, work has followed him there. And so while I do, I can understand how like that does like just sound maybe perhaps more interesting in some ways. I also like that the killer's doing something I've never seen before in that like, and, and also like playing off of things I have seen before as well. And so it is this revenge thriller, but also the revenge like, the girlfriend is not a big part of the movie. It's not really about her. It's, she's like the reason he feels he has to go out, but she is left behind and, and we, we meet her again at the end. And I'm glad she didn't die because then I feel like that kind of gets into like melodrama almost. Like I feel like John Wick can get quite melodramatic sometimes. But that's, um, John Wick's supposed to be that to be fair. Like that is what John Wick true. is. And so like if this movie did that, it would be a different thing. But sure, I can that. see her coming from exactly. it, Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, 
the next sequence, I don't know. The next sequence is the New Orleans sequence where we meet Hodges, and we see his like, I, I, his, uh, what do you call it? Like his storage unit thing is really fun, and now I always like kind of see. Oh, that, this was something I was gonna mention. Like, we kind of talked about this, but like, how professional he is, I think is just so interesting. And there's this kind of thing that I've I've heard people talk about, and so I've kind of looked into what this is. It's like. He is he is a part of the gig economy, which is kind of like this yeah. shift we've been making. Well, the there's, there's like a he's in like a WeWork, like an abandoned WeWork yeah. center in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So WeWork, I've I've learned is like they give out office spaces um, that I are. Think I think they're for like now. I don't know if they it exists anymore. They're but it they're did. falling apart. It's it's oh, okay. not quite gone, but it's like even in August they were gonna file for. They said they they right, might okay. have to file for bankruptcy. So like they've been failing. But the whole thing of WeWork was supplying office spaces for various businesses, and I think for kind of like contract sort of stuff is the implication. Um, and the killer himself is like a contract worker, and so I like that it's kind of like there's a bit of commentary about the world as it is now, uh, and there's other kind of like subtle things about this. So like there's, they mentioned Postmates at one point. Um, there's a lot of like just kind of like generic brands. Like, not sure if I can remember any other yeah, gig specific ones, but there's a lot of. I do have a point to this. I think I maybe want to touch a, touch on this later, but I have a point about the amount of like the amount of clear attention to putting real life things into this movie. Yeah. I have a, I have kind of a different point about it a little bit, so I think I'll save that for the Chicago part. But I that was also something I'd picked up on. Sure, um, but yeah, just to to round this point up I um, I do think it's cool that like he's he's trying to like at the beginning at least he's he's trying to make it like this is it's just like it's not personal it is just a job and it's it's entirely impersonal I'm just doing the job I you know you screw up you go home and there's there's nothing to it and you see how professional is he he was at one point and then slowly it's falling apart I'm kind of repeating myself but um, New Orleans, uh, what have we not done yet? Um, I kind of, well, I might, I might just reveal this now, but there's this thing that he's, he says throughout the movie is like, he's got this list of like rules he has. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but every time it gets shorter, he starts oh, it losing. Does. Yeah. And so I thought there might be a pattern to this. This is the kind of like movie that I feel like has very easy kind of analytical things so this is one of them that I, I is kind of like like if you if you notice it it's quite easy to track so mm. it starts off quite long the first time he says it in Paris and then every time he kills someone or like has like a, a an interaction it gets shorter for the next one because he has broken that rule in that interaction and it won't come back again so I've kind of tracked what they were some of them are harder to figure out than others but um, first off is never yield an advantage that's the first one to go i think that's for the cab driver i think that's him not being um incognito anymore mm. so the cab driver gets a very clear look at his face in the rear view window uh mirror sorry and so i feel like that is probably what like him yielding an advantage it's personal now and it's um it's so personal that he's not hiding his identity anymore it's him um, and, and the cab driver tries to... Oh my god, not this again. The cab driver <laughs> tries to... 
Peter, do you know what that is? It's the yeah, speech Peter. bubble thumb. Only me, I think. I don't think anyone been, else that is. Wait, it's is this Discord or is this Apple, though? It's Discord, because I, I mean, well, actually, it might, I guess it might be Apple, but I see it all every time. Yeah. Anyways. That's we're still really, being, for, yeah. for listeners who have been following along, we're still being haunted by the <coughs> thumbs up emoji. Yeah. It's hilarious. Oh. Peter's going to do some. That's not the same. Not thing. that. Not uh, the same. No. One. Okay. So it must be an Apple thing then. I don't know. I'm scared. Um, so the the cab driver tries to get away for a smoke, and and knowing his identity could easily like point him out, and so he has to kill him, uh, and that starts the whole revenge kill saga. Uh, next one that he he gives up is uh, what's in it for me. I think that's when he kills Hodges, uh, because Hodges literally says something like. Um, you won't do it like there's no upside for you in killing him and killing the lawyer there's no upside and he does it anyways uh because while there isn't um while there isn't like an upside it's it satisfies that emotional reaction that emotional emotional urge uh next one is forbid empathy that one's quite easy uh, he kills dolores in such a way that it might look like an accident so that her kids can claim her life insurance um fight only the fight you pay to fight also very easy uh the brute he fights a fight he definitely did not have to fight and that costs quite a bit um trust no one also quite easy the expert uh the last two are a little bit tricky uh, stick to the plan and anticipate don't improvise kind of seems like it's one idea it's the one that he always starts with and i feel like that one is when he's with claiborne the client um and i think what's going on there is that the plan was to kill him and because of like like just the interaction and how it goes he ends up not sticking to that plan he ends up abandoning um the plan and he improvises by like le- letting him live uh so that's my essay on how the killer fucks up or whatever cool yeah i hadn't picked up on specifically why everything was dropping but i did notice that it was getting shorter every single time and yeah, I had just taken it as like a general of throughout the movie, these experiences are causing him to to shed these a little bit. Yeah. 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 I think I mean that's like a very easy, like yeah. like purely dialogue way of looking at it, but I do think like in a grander scheme there's there's a it can be more a little more eloquent in like summarizing the, the journey, but maybe I'll save that a little bit longer. Um, so he leaves New Orleans and he goes to the brute. Let's talk about the brute fight. This is mostly the reason why I wanted to talk about chapters. This fight scene's awesome. Um, I feel like it's like like the way I was telling it to myself is like uh, every hit feels like a ton of bricks. Like every punch has so much weight behind it. Um, I feel like the sound effects are a big part of that, uh, as well as just like camera movement. Uh, The score is really good at this point too. Um, Before he enters the house. I described it as like squelching electronic music that was really neat um and yeah like even though it's so dark in there it's super easy to follow very well filmed and in like very distinct sequences or beats uh i think it's a really really great fight scene i really love how the uh how how destructive the 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 environment is as well you know they Mm -hmm. literally rampage through the entire house um and the the fact that the door, like the bathroom door, got used so many times, um, 
And like, honestly, like the highlight for me though, the fight scene itself was fantastic. The highlight for me was how he handled the dog. He like, he, he deal with it like a true profesh, you know? Like, like you, know? He, you know, it's like, like, is he gonna kill the dog? Like, how's he, how's he gonna like, you know, what's he gonna do? The fact that he went to the supermarket and just bought a shit ton of sleeping pill and then just like <laughs> drugged the dog. That was, uh, well, that was crazy. But two things on that though. One yeah. is because he, I think you could, you could make this argument because he already broke the forbid empathy rule. He's still forbidding empathy and he doesn't kill the dog. Oh, that is live. true. Yeah, that's a good point. And then also he fucks that up too. He doesn't get enough. Woke up, yeah. He doesn't get. He doesn't give enough sleeping. Uh, like it, it's like literally like Nyquil and stuff, and uh, he doesn't give enough, and so he fucks up again. And he's like hustling. He's like, <laughs> and he barely makes it out of the gate before the dog reaches. Um, no, I think that seems. That seems so fun. Yeah, I think it's um, really cool. I like that. Uh, I like that it's a very kind of David and Goliath kind of thing. Like I like that the guy's just like fucking huge. And I like that we get build up prior to the scene as well. Like we see them like in the yard and stuff, and we're like, "Oh, these are big. These are big, tough, scary guys." So I like the setup for it. Um, if I didn't nitpick, there are like one or two shots where it was dark to the point where I was like, "I don't know what I'm looking at in this shot." Uh, but it's very nitpicky because that's super cl- like it's super quick to the point where I don't even think that's a real criticism because it's put in fast enough and in a context of a sequence that I think gives it enough meaning in and of itself so i think like and if i didn't see what something was supposed to be i did the next shot and it was yeah it's every it didn't really affect the way that hits landed for me so i i didn't really mind too much sure yeah i do and the guy just sorry Mm -hmm. the guy just doesn't go down i was just gonna comment like he doesn't go down and like so many like he gets pretty injured like the the table leg like is sticking into his body that looks like it hurts a lot um, he gets like the the poker the fireplace poker is like in his scalp that looks like it hurts sounds like it hurts too the sound design yeah. is really ew it's gross um, I love the reveal of the, the poker as well very slowly pulling back to reveal it as he kind of realizes it's there as well um, the scene is also very well structured like it travels throughout this um, this home starts off I think in the bedroom and then suddenly we're in the living room and then like the dining room the kitchen and then ending in the bathroom i just love that like really utilizing the full geography of the space is super cool true um and then also something i remembered is just the amount of waiting that has to happen uh i feel like this this sequence and the next one both have that in common in that there's a a good period of time where he has to just sit in his car and wait for it to be nighttime and it's like the Paris job, reminding you how much boredom there is involved in this, how much waiting around and uh, for something to happen, and I, I think maybe again that's commentary on like the gig economy, how you do kind of like have to wait for the next thing to happen, wait for the next opportunity to come up, um, because you are not steadily employed. Uh, I saw that more as, I I saw the boredom thing more as just like this guy's world and specifically as an attention to like I can kind of get into this now I guess because this is kind of my broader part of my broader real life point where if you think about the current world it's it's overload you know what I mean like it's there's everything and like the idea of being bored almost seems absurd like the idea of being bored but not having something to stimulate it I think that like 
that almost feels like something that's non-existent. And I think the idea that this guy is almost living in a different reality because of the habits and because of the narrative that he's established for himself, but living amongst everyone else, like that's the way I saw more that like because he because he takes these spaces he almost sees the world differently like he like there's a different world going on and he can he's observing everything else it also makes him like a bit more of like a voyeur which i think ties into some of the visual style as well um yeah but i i I thought that was interesting i saw that as kind of just a response to it like into the broader point of i think and this is an idea that kind of pervades a lot of fincher movies which is like there are things lurking in the people and places that we pass every day um and like there's it's you know like it's always there and there there are people living different lives and living in different worlds even though they're in the exact same geographical space Hmm. i obviously agree and i think like especially like you said like because like everyone is seeking some sort of excitement or like you know happiness or like dopamine hit whatever but like this guy is just like when he's locked in he's locked in you know like it's just like the world is shut off to him it's just him his target and how to get there so yeah that's what we agree that's a great observation actually yeah i think also like like i don't know if you're talking so much about this but like how much brands are are in this yeah and it's funny, I saw some people describe this as um, some, sh- uh, what's the word, like shameless um, product placement. And I was I like, don't, I don't, I don't like think that. you, I was like, I don't think you understand what this was. It's actually yeah. critiquing these entities. Uh, and I, I found it so, like all that very interesting to me. Um, also, I was reminded it's very, um, uh, calls back to, to Fight Club as well. Um, yeah. There's a, a Starbucks cup in this as well in this movie as well, um, but yeah, I think what's what I found interesting about that is um, kind of like tapping into this idea. Something he mentions early on is this idea of being one of the many, of being like one of the the sheeple, if you will, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to someone who is detached and like somehow different, built different, not one of the many, um, and. Yeah, and so like like part of it is he he's capitalizing off of this, capitalizing off of capitalism in a way. So he goes to McDonald's because he knows he can get a good breakfast, but completely blend in um, because he is he is blending into one of the many without himself being it. He's putting on di- on a disguise, literally as well. Um, and then also like other institutions and what I, I was saying like globalization and privacy are the things that provide him with so much access and opportunity so like amazon the globalization of like everything you can get everything anything anytime and he's just able to get a fob copier off of amazon and no one's gonna ask anything because globalization privacy also like all the security things that are put up that he has to go through are as much like barriers to him as well as like as soon as like once he's gotten into a place there's no chance of being found and if that makes sense because privacy has kept these things it's keeping his work private as well i guess um you know contactless pickup sort of stuff like from ace hardware um no one's looking into a storage container all this all these things like provide access 
he lives in our world. He could exist in our world because he yeah. does essentially. Yeah, I think that that's that's a broader point the movie's making. I think it in several points it makes up it focuses on how DIY he generally is, like the spaces that he's using, like the WeWork thing to uh uh, like when the dog, like he just to trick the dog, he just goes to the supermarket and he gets things that anyone can get and like all these things. Uh, and that's actually like, well, I think it's the, and so it's this idea that like the person and David Fincher literally said this in an interview, like the person standing behind you in the grocery store could be a serial killer or whatever. Like it's that, it's that idea. And I actually think that as well executed and as, like interesting in some ways as that is I think that's an idea that kind of pervades a lot of Fincher movies and is something that keeps me from loving them as much as I do because I just fundamentally I just don't agree with that and so like and not that I need to agree with everything that a movie is saying to find it interesting or good or whatever like there are tons of movies that I don't agree with like at all that I think are great but just something about like it's something about the attitude of this movie and I would also say, like, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Zodiac that keep Also the best ones. <laughs> I think that those, to me, those are all, like, bought... Well, not The Killer. I would, I think The Killer is better than both those movies. But I think that, like, to me, like, it's, it's that attitude that kind of keeps me away from it. Like, I just don't... Like, there's a certain level of, like, eh, okay. I feel like there is... Yeah, and then I feel like... It's just, to me, it's strange. I don't know. I'm not making, like, an ethical declaration, to be perfectly clear. It's just something that keeps me separate from these movies. Sure. I honestly... I, I didn't feel quite so strongly that the point was, like, anyone around you could be a killer. Because I could see that being, like, a secret invasion kind of... Not that I saw that show, but, mm. like, like anyone, who do you trust kind of thing. Like, I, I, I don't know if I felt that way. But, yeah. Anyways, I'm just going to move on. Uh... <laughs> Let's go to the the talk with Tilda Swinton. I think I think that's another very interesting scene. Um, what I like about this scene, again, the rewatch helped me appreciate it more. But uh, the hunter parable I found really interesting. So it's like this story where a hunter is going to kill a grizzly bear, and every time he misses, in her words, he gets sodomized by the bear, and he keeps showing up trying to kill the bear, and eventually the bear's like, "You're not here for the hunting, are you?" Um, yeah. And I and I you know I thought about it and what I realized is like what the killer gets out of his job is not the killing it's it's the self sodomizing it's the self flagellation it's the like the the enjoyment he gets from the the pain sort of of repression of being his minimalist isolated self he enjoys the process he enjoys the work he's almost like punishing himself and he likes it he likes the boredom he likes all of that and that like realizing that i think starts to scare him here what's great about this scene is like they are the same they're mirror images except the key difference is she does not live that repressed life she lives a life of luxury because she can she can't afford it they both could afford it but he's decided to what I was saying like to put on this hair shirt and be and like he's just starting to realize like like I mean he's already had this journey behind him but you know she's got this like great food great whiskey in front of him and he's kind of realizing like temptation I think for the first time and maybe not the first time but like it's becoming very clear that 
he has these urges that he can't control and he he actually does relent a bit in the scene he has one of the whiskey glasses for himself and yeah i think i think this is a, a really interesting scene because you know he start he initially laughs at the idea of like the bear story but then eventually like you can kind of like see fear in his eyes and i think that's just so that was just such an interesting scene to me this is going to be a very murky point because I don't remember why I thought this, but I remember thinking, oh, he's both the hunter and the bear in the story as mm. well. I remember thinking that, like, both of these actually apply to him, but I could not tell you why I thought that because I don't remember the story well enough. So that's that's my two cents here. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm going to have a very similar breakdown <laughs> compared to you. Because, like... Alex just gave like a very you know thoughtful you know insightful take and I'm just like yeah so the scene was really cool because uh, it was like one of the few moments in the movie where he actually second guessed himself like he actually felt a little insecure talking to uh, Tilda Swinton like I felt like um, I felt like he felt what the hunter felt when the bear confronted him when he went for the last time you know the bear's like you're not here to hunt me you're just here for uh, <laughs> you're just here for you know whatever yeah. but but like i feel like it's just like like what is his goal of hunting down like these people who hurt uh who hurt his girlfriend you know like like professionally it's obviously not a smart move and like personally like does he think he's gonna get away with it like would there be consequences obviously we don't see it at the end of the movie we see like him just chilling with the with, with this girl at the beach house but like would there be consequences afterwards like it's almost like um like i'm pretty sure Tilda Swinton commented something like you know like you're not here to like to like kill like you're not gonna kill me here you know like based both based on the environment it's a loud restaurant you know and also there's so many people around like it's not something that the killer like the professional killer before like he had this fall and and uh, missing a target in Paris would do, but yet he's here. Like why was he there? You know, and then I like I think very much is it's it has to do with this insecurity. Like I feel like him missed for the first time, really like it's really just like like he's like yo like what happened? You know like this never happened in my line of work. I'm supposed to be the best, and he was just there to sort of reassure himself that he still got it. To like sit in front of your target, look her in the eyes, and like to to remind himself almost like you're still the hunter, you're not the one being hunted, and you are in control here. And uh, and the fact that she was able to have such a great conversation, and like initially he was just silent the whole time, but then he eventually he did talk to her for a couple uh, for a couple of uh, of lines. So I think there's definitely uh, in, in combination with like him scaling down his roles throughout the throughout the movie i think like in combination it's just like sort of the interior system he set up for himself sort of slowly breaking down as the movie goes on yeah no i i completely agree i mean tilda does say at one point um sort of what you were saying uh you know you you wanted reassurance like that's why you're here mm -hmm. um i also mm -hmm. think like i think part of it also is like he, he also says like he's desperate for conversation and he says it like a joke but I also, like, I do think he's kind of betraying himself, and he is kind of like, no, that's actually why he's here, but he's trying to, like, laugh it off as if, as if it's not true. But because his work is so isolated and, like, and it's independent work, he actually doesn't see other people who do the same thing as him. And so it is, like, a rare moment 
to sit down and chat as opposed to like when you did it in private in the other in the brute fight because it was private there was no show they had to put on so it was just like fight to the death and this one he very purposefully follows her until she's in a public space so that he can have that conversation without having to like it like without it just devolving into a fight um mm. and like so i think that's part of it and yeah like mm, yeah i think i think he is just like lonely and like you said needs reassurance he's having he's already on this very slippery slope of kind of realizing his humanity and he's hoping that i don't know to hear some something that will make him feel better about killing her i don't know but like either way like it it does the opposite eventually uh and i yeah i think it's a very interesting scene uh uh yeah that's it cool. uh last i uh, know this is a weird one uh last last bit is the the chicago thing um but i'll also just kind of make it my summary thing um so i'm i think i did a way better job of analysis analyzing this movie for my very kind of brief mostly point form letterbox review so i am mostly going to read off what i wrote there because i think i think that kind of got it pretty good so uh so basically the killer's journey proves that he is not as detached and objective as he had once thought um, he makes a lot of mistakes. We find out he's weak and capable of injury in, in the brute fight. Um, and he's frightened at the prospect of being motivated by urges and emotions beyond his control. Um, when he meets what I, what I was calling capitalist God, that's how I kind of see Claiborne, is like this like, um, like so powerful, omnipotent force um, that there is almost like a religious aspect to it. Um, when he meets him, uh, he doesn't like not only does he not care that the killer screwed up he actually doesn't even recognize him he doesn't know who he is despite like there being like very good cause for him to be there he has no idea and it, he has to be reminded and it's such a humbling moment for him um, to meet like to meet your maker essentially and be told you are not important like that's crushing that is worse than finding out you are human and you can't control your your feelings or your urges like you thought you were. Um, so, so yeah, uh, he kind of like discovers that, and it's funny. Also, he says this at the beginning that like nothing he does will ever change anything. It's that kind of like nihilist viewpoint. He says in the beginning, nothing he ever does will change these metrics of like how many people are born or die every day, despite his best efforts and despite saying these things at the beginning I feel like he doesn't actually feel them until the end um, uh, what else did I have to say uh, he's unable to change or escape the system he thought he was above um, you know he thought he was above this kind of like capitalist society he thought he was not one of the many but he's discovering that when he's with Claiborne he can't actually he, either he can't or he won't kill him um, so he'll What's also interesting is like every people, every person he meets, he has to kill, are from different classes. So you know the brute is the low, um, uh, low lower class. Um, the expert. I don't think is, that's true. I think he's pretty loaded. Uh, no. It may be, has, but like he has like, like a Florida compound. Like 
It's, I would okay, maybe, maybe, but um, what at least at the very least, Claiborne is the most loaded, and it's interesting True. that he's he's <clears throat> he's fully capable of killing fellow doers, but when he's up against someone who could he could actually make a big difference, he can't he doesn't. Um, he's a control freak with no control, a pawn who thought he was a knight. He starts the movie alone in his high tower, looking down, um, but he ends the movie at sea level, uh, n knowing that he is one of the many. Uh, the ultimate nihilist joke is on him. He got what he wanted. He got his revenge. It actually goes surprisingly accordingly to plan, um, but in doing so, he destroyed what is actually his only outlet. You know, his work is his life, and now he's destroyed it. He's destroyed any sort of hope of doing that again. Um, one of you mentioned, like, like the threat of like is this done and I think what's so great is that it does feel done and that's actually kind of sad the fact that he's almost like he's basically closed that world off from himself there will be no more retaliation because there is no one who can or would retaliate um, and I just the, the quote from the beginning of the movie calls back to me it's amazing how physically exhausting it can be to do nothing and he's that's all he has <laughs> to look forward to for the rest of his days. Purgatory retirement. Paradise. Yeah. Ret retirement, yeah. You can go first, Peter. I think we had better okay. at the same time. Um, so I just thought, like, your observation about, like, how as he, you know, like, the people he kills are all from, like, different, uh, I guess, classes within society. Like, I actually have a different but still similar observation. It's just, like, the way he feels about the killings and how and how that relates to sort of like his confidence and uh his confidence level and his internal insecurities because like initially he's used to be like you know the sort of john wick of his world the boogeyman who like who like no one recognizes but all fear you know like especially like um, like in in the uh in the dominican scene where like the taxi driver begs begs for his life like in the uh in the in the in the office scene in New Orleans, like uh, Dolores begging for her life, you know, please just like you know do whatever, and then and then when he confronts the brute, it's just a fight to the death, you know, like he the brute knows what he's capable of, or like maybe he's just defending him, like his home. <laughs> that that might also be a possibility. But then when we enter the expert and later on the uh, the the man who who hired him, like uh, at the very beginning, there's much more of like. I do not fear you type mentality coming from both of them I, I, I've sensed and especially like from the last person where he literally does not even recognize him so I think like there's a there's a possibility where his sense of like self-importance and also like uh, his sense of self-worth comes from validation from others not in the sense of like complimenting him but just in the sense of he is feared and also he inspires fear because of his job and what he does and the fact that he slowly loses that of like every target he contact like he slowly loses that throughout the movie like uh, as he goes on from one target to the next is uh, is pretty interesting as well yeah i i kind of the way i saw that scene was yeah very specifically about like just again like the defying of his expectations and how they just can't be real like all like he doesn't really want to kill him i don't know if like i don't i never get the sense that he really wants to kill anybody it's just a job like it's just what he does and so i think like 
what's interesting, like the whole reason that he has, like he has this internal monologue, like this idea that he's going to come into this room and this guy, the most powerful person in the world is going to beg for life. And I think kind of tying into what you were saying, Alex, like this idea that he, because he is the killer who kind of operates, like he he kills oligarchs and whatever, and whomever aristocrats in Paris and whatever. He, like there should this be idea that like yeah this guy this guy who thinks he's a, a big whatever is going to uh his knees will shiver before me and i like the idea that like that doesn't happen is like that like that's his whole thing like it's just like i almost see it as like he he realized that like there's nothing in this world for him uh like i i honestly had seen it as like i i don't understand the world of hitmanning's particularly but he probably could continue to do it in some way if he really wanted to i saw it as like the image he had of it had been thoroughly shattered and therefore there is no going back to it so it's just like and i think that that but he's still unsatisfied with life without it so he's unsatisfied either way i think i think you've pointed out something really interesting is that I don't think I don't think he derives enjoyment from any of the killings. I don't think it's the killing that he finds yeah. enjoying en- enjoyable, um, and that's why the ones that he I feel like in almost every kill after the first one, like even the first one, it's all like self-preservation. So like he's doing a job; it's not personal. I need to do this to survive. That's the that's you know initially. Then it's like. I need to kill you to protect my identity. I need to, you know, um, yeah, like like the first couple ones are like to, you know, preserve my identity and so I can continue operating as I am. Then later it's just because these people are going to kill me if I don't kill them. I feel like that's true of the brute and of the expert. And then because Claiborne doesn't pose a threat in any of these respects, he actually doesn't, because he doesn't want to kill anybody, it's not an urge he actually... It's not something he actually finds fun. It is the like cat and mouse game of like breaking into the buildings. Like that's what he finds enjoyable and like punishing himself. He's like, well, now what? Like you're not gonna make me kill you? Well then, I guess I'll leave. You know? Uh, and yeah, no, I, I'm not sure I'd considered that before. And I feel like that's like actually never happened in his career before. You know, it's like the first time right. where. I've, like no one's there like his boss is dead his rivals are dead no one's there to force his, his hand to pull the trigger and I felt like this is like new to him well it is new to him to let a target go it's it's almost like like the challenge like like people who like are so devoted to like doing something because the challenge is what excites them that they devote their whole life to do it because it's it's hard and because no one else can do it yeah. Um, funny enough, the thing that's coming to mind is that movie Nyad about the swimmer. This is a new movie. It's she's she's it's based on a real like it's a biopic about mm. someone who swam from Florida to Cuba. Uh, it's got like oh, a yes. Benning yeah, in yeah, it yeah. and yeah and yeah. um, Science of the Lambs. I don't remember her name. Sorry, Jodie Foster. Uh, Jodie Foster. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but like, I almost feel like there's an analogy there. Like someone who's dedicated their life to doing something not because they want to but because it's hard um and it makes them feel better about themselves and now that he can't do that anymore it's like i twitch you know like he's he can't relax and he's on vacation for the rest of his life um 
I think last thing I kind of wanted to touch on is the idea of like narration and POV. Um, it's very interesting. There's a few times where the movie will switch to POV. Usually, if he's like looking through like like um, a scope, or I thought there was something else. Usually, it's a scope, um, and it's like you had mentioned in like the voyeuristic uh, part of this job, um, and especially like in that first chapter in Paris when he's listening to music like if it's in the POV through the scope we are hearing the music as if we are him and I can't remember if this I thought there was one scene where it was only in one ear like I was listening and like using headphones and I was like oh that's so weird it's only in the one ear he's got Mm. the earbud in that was really cool Um, yeah but I found especially in that scene it's it was a really great distancing technique of being like, like John Wick, again, easiest example. When music plays, it's to be like, oh yeah, this is awesome, this is so cool. And it matches with the, the fighting matches with the music. Um, and it kind of like- yeah. it establishes a adds, rhythm for the scene. Well, not only that, yeah. but like it, it makes it more fulfilling. It's a nicer thing to watch compared to like watching a fight play out in silence. Like that's sure. not entertaining, that's not as entertaining. And so I feel like, it's reminding you, like, like because it it does start switching of like like it's blaring music and then we are hearing his uh, his narration and I feel like what that does is reminds you what you're watching so you can't fully take enjoyment of uh, like a killing like a killing scene and it's kind of reminding you to like be careful of this guy like he's maybe maybe you don't want to identify with him uh, so I, I found that interesting and I think how we. It- we have to like hear his voice the whole time as well, and so I feel like it's important to distance yourself from this guy and kind of be critical. It's also interesting, like you said, like it is almost it's almost drawing attention to a lack of enjoyment. Like it's not like the job mm-hmm. again. Like we've said, it, it isn't like at least superficially enjoyable. Like it's this it's a devotion sort of thing, and so it's not enjoyable. It's just him sitting and watching. But talking about a uh, kind of the point of view i because that was something i really appreciated as well i also like that just within the cinematography cinematography particularly in the beginning and the shots of what he's looking at they're very ordered and like using architecture and lines and just like very like rigid and clear yeah just like ordered geometrical forms and like the idea of like like that's how he sees the world like that's and it's like a lot of attention to the forms that things are built and i think that yeah, I mean, like, just one of the many things that I think make the movie very subjectively directed. And I thought that was, that was something I liked a lot about the movie. Yeah. Um, I have one uh, thing. This is kind of interesting. This is just trivia. Um, sure. Apparently, so he doesn't have a name. That All we his know fake about. names it are is. characters from... My parents pointed that out. I didn't know that until my parents... I saw this with my parents, and they were like, did you know what the names were? And I was like, no. This is why I wanted to bring that up, because I've listened to some other people talk about this movie, and I was like, I don't think any of the three of us recognized any of those names. So that would just be funny for our listeners who who might have. But, Peter, for you, all the aliases he uses on, like, tickets, passports, whatever, are TV show characters from the 70s. I think they're all dads. Oh, is that so? Okay. Yes, it is so. And none of us caught that while watching it, which is hilarious. Um, but well, one of, one of the names I did recognize, and then I was I starting so. to pay attention to him, but I didn't know I didn't know what the uh, pattern was. Yeah, 
I'll see if I can find because I there was one for me as well, but I I also like couldn't place where it was from. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I've I've heard those names together. Um, I'll see, there's probably like a, an article on this. Yeah, the killer sitcom names. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. First off, Sam Malone. So oh, Lou, Lou Grant, I, I definitely recognize. That was the one that I heard, and I was like, oh, for sure. Okay. So Sam Malone is Ted Danson's character in Cheers and Frasier. Robert Hartley is um, the Bob Newhart show. Lou Grant, uh, you said, is, is Mary Tyler Moore. Um, Archibald Boonker uh, is from All, All in the Family. Uh, Felix Unger is the odd couple. Oscar Madison is... Oh, it's the the roommate. So also the odd couple. Also Howard me. Howard Cunningham is Happy Days. Reuben Kincaid is the Partridge Family. George Jefferson. Oh, maybe that was the one I recognized. George Jefferson. Oh, I recognize that um, too. Yeah. Yes. Is all in the family. Oh, but he was in the spinoff, The Jeffersons. Mm. Okay. The reason I know that one is from that song. Yeah. By, by the Smiths kid. What's his name? Jaden. Jaden Smith. Oh, Jane Smith. Which song? He has a song called George Jefferson. Oh, really? I know. I I've know. I've heard George Jefferson reference in a different song. Oh, oh wow. Wow, wow. Anyways, wow. Uh, any other thoughts on this movie? Nope, that's all i got to say. Aiden has a segment yeah. for us. Yes. Okay, so the podcast is called Predator vs. Movies. We've already done the movie part. In case you haven't Wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up. Hold, hold, hold. I have a plug. I have a plug. Quick plug. Yes. All I'm going to say is... This movie features one of my favorite reviews on this platform called Letterboxd. And it's by this guy called uh, A-Time Sunny. Sure, yeah. this, is what, this is what he said. I'm going to read his review for you guys, okay? This is, mm. this is awesome. So he says... Um, sorry, it's taking a while. Oh, here we go. That Starts out the killer. But by the end, he is the chiller. Tell oh. him, love that review. Classic. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Just chilling at the end. Yeah. Not. Oh. Yeah. No, I get it. Um. Do you want to get into our segment though? Yeah. So the podcast predators movies done the movie time again to the predator. We asked the question: Would this movie be better if the predator from the movie Predator was in it? No, but probably thematically so. similar. Yeah. Yeah. Probably similar. not. Cause like, I felt like Predator would just wreck him. You know. <laughs> predator. Pro- yeah. Cause this is one where. If if we are if they did have a death match based off their professions, this is oh, Predator's no. profession too. Yeah. yeah. So so Predator would definitely win here. You know, it'd be it's crazy. Not, yeah. Imagine like he invites Predator out to like a nice diner, like uh like what Tota Swindon did, and <laughs> just yeah. have a heart to heart in the diner. Mm. Predator's that would be bear. crazy. That'll I be agree. Crazy. Like like Predator, at least in the first movie, the one that I've seen, um, he's like. Really, also really good at his job and they have to use his own technology against him yeah. whereas the killer is not super great at his job and messes up quite frequently so I think I think this is a this is one where Predator could win yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter would you actually love to tell us what the next segment is for the first time in several weeks oh my god it is my honor to tell you milk that the next segment milk it <laughs> it's, okay. it's called time. Predator Picks, where we talk about the movies and TVs we've seen in the past few weeks, a past week, uh, and give our recommendations. 
Uh, That's a little good. rusty, little rusty, but nice to have you back uh, saying that. Uh, Peter, I'll be gone wanna... next week. Great, Peter. Do you wanna... <laughs> Jesus, okay, don't, don't move your mic. You're, okay, you do. <laughs> you have any you pictures yourself? Do you have any p- yeah, pics but... yourself, Pete, dude? Um. Okay. To be fair, what, what's our last episode again? Oh, Please do not. Napoleon. Guys. Oh, the one, the last one you did. Oh, I don't know. Was it? Was it the creator? It might actually be the creator. Wow, that was a long time ago. Oh my god, that has been a. So well, you were long. briefly on for Killers of the Flower Moon. That didn't count. But you, I was, but you left. I was. You left part. Holy of shit! It's been a while, eh? Oh yeah, my god, it has been a while. So please do um, not tell us every movie you've seen unless it's. Five, I've only now. seen one. It's actually. probably only like yeah, two. Exactly. <laughs> that time yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't um, matter. I, I saw the Eras Tour movie. It was okay. it was pretty good. Not even a movie. Great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a concert film. Uh, and uh, oh, I also like uh, this this show that I like is coming back called uh, called uh, what's it called? Uh, it's called House of the Dragon. And it's looking quite good. Oh, oh but I have seen stuff. I have seen stuff. I just reminded myself. Uh, I've been watching Invincible, season two. Oh yeah, it's been it's been quite good. Um, no spoilers, obviously, but uh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of big character moments, and uh, apparently we're like barely like ten percent through like the entire like Invincible series. They like doing so that. I have no idea when we're where yeah. we'll get to, like how long this. Uh, show will run for but it's excellent voice acting and everything so definitely recommend yeah Check did you get to the book. did you see uh, the first four episodes like up to the break yes yeah i was actually like i guess it makes sense that they want to you know because like amazon prime i guess does have a couple of things coming out or it might just be the holidays who knows but like uh, it sucks uh episode four is quite a big cliffhanger and uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch episode five come the new year. It's it's interesting how different of a model they have to not only have it a week to week show like Disney Plus mm-hmm. does, but also yeah. to incorporate a mid season break for like an eight episode season. Like, I know it's really, so short already. That's a, yeah. it's an opposite stance, complete opposite of like Netflix dropping everything at once. I'm pretty sure Netflix, like, is Netflix still doing that? Because last time I heard, like, they're trying to s- step away from I think that. some things are being staggered maybe. more. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe. But, more. like, I, I honestly, like, I'm not a huge fan of this mid-season break thing. I feel like this just, like, I mean, it's a little better. It's on the streaming service. But, like, it just gives me the part one, part two vibe of, like, a lot of movies. Mm. Like, during the 2010s. Where, like, Harry Potter had, like, Deathly Hollow part one, part two. Uh, like, uh, Hunger Games had, like... The last one had part one, part two, so it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, yo, just, just give us the whole thing, man, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't. Say I don't want to wait for this. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's quite the same thing, just because that's adaptation and, like, like all those are adapting books and like trying to milk one story as much as they can so that it can be like a two-part event, like it's a bigger, it feels bigger. I do feel yeah. like as season two of, like you said, a show that could run. A lot, like very, like a lot of seasons. I do feel like this is a little different. I don't, I don't really know why they're doing it. I honestly don't mind though. Like, Invincible is not a show that I like love so much that I'm like, I need my Invincible fix. You know, like I, no, no, I'm no, like, for sure, for sure. I'm like, if you're it's gonna just take a break, like, uh, sure, I got other stuff to watch. You know. Okay, okay. I wasn't gonna get into this, but uh, I did finish uh, Loki season two, and uh, oh, not gonna lie, 
Not gonna lie, like, did you watch it? Uh, I stopped maybe episode two. Like, I, okay. I watched two of them. Right? Like, generally, I think the first half of the season is the weaker part of the season. Because, like, I don't know if you caught the vibe, but, like, it was very, very not focused and kind of scattered yeah. for me uh, for the first half. And there was very little tension in the first half as well. But somehow, I don't know how, but, like, they really picked it up in the last two episodes. And, mm -hmm. like, it's not... It's, like, I still... I think even, like, rewatching season one... Like, I think season one is still a better season overall. But, like, season one, there were moments that, like, the show wasn't that great. But, like, like overall, season yeah. one was still much better. But, like, like it, this season, I guess, like, my take is just... The final two episodes were good. But overall downgrade compared to season one, and like the the fact that every single time a Marvel show that's remotely good or a Star Wars show that's remotely good, and you just see millions of people on Twitter is like, "Oh, we're so back, MCU's back, guys." You know, I'm just like, "Yo, <laughs> we're not back." We're not back. <laughs> this is like, yeah. this is like, um, this is like an average show in like a bunch of shows that's just trash. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, but, like, so, MCU's been putting out some garbage lately. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, I definitely missed uh, Loki Loki Season 1. Um, the coherence, uh, how it made sense, and how I could go from one episode to the next and be like, oh, I know what happened the last episode because this is what is happening right now. I missed mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah, a basic absolutely. part of TV shows. I also just think that, like, it's it's a huge loss to lose like your showrunner or the person who was effectively the showrunner for the first series in into the next because changing those creative hands I feel like was very obvious, um, but also they weren't a showrunner because Marvel wasn't doing showrunners and showrunners weren't real for a bit. Now they are. Now they're real. Um, well, she quit. It's not that Marvel doesn't uh, yeah. want her. She quit. No, I, I know she did quit. And I'm just saying that, like, I think that very much impacted the show. Absolutely, uh, yeah. But anyways, if that's all of your picks, uh, we'll go to Aiden's. I was waiting for you to stop me. Aiden, what did you sure. watch or anything? I've watched quite a few things this week. So uh, last night I watched The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. This is the third one. Uh, this is a very average movie. Some very cool scenes, uh, a lot of just, like, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, the reason I love the first two Conjurings as much as I do is because of James Wan. James Wan did not direct this one. And so I'm kind of like, there's sometimes where they're trying to emulate the James Wan style, and it's like, it's, you're not doing it well enough. I see that you're trying to do the James Wan zoom, but you're not, this isn't the right moment for it. Um, and so I think that uh, I... I I am only interested in The Conjuring, I think, as long as James Wan is there, to be honest. So that's my Wait, take speaking, speaking of decent. James Wan, are you excited for his Aquaman? You will be there? Okay. I will okay. be there. That trailer Isn't that coming is out real serious? Yeah, I'll see. It's it coming out in December, no? I don't know. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I don't need to see it like opening weekend, <laughs> but I will see it. <laughs> um, uh, I also saw sure. Godzilla minus one. This is a Japanese Godzilla movie. This was quite good. This was really, really yeah, good. Uh, clearly about uh, some post-war, post-World War Two themes. It was interesting to see. Uh, like it, it was actually like a legitimately quite good story, and it was a, like a very grounded character uh, sort of thing that was happening, which I was not expecting. Um, it was interesting to see that apparently this and got and Oppenheimer are two of the 
uh, top grossing blockbusters of the year. Very surprisingly similar movies, I will say. (laughs) Godzilla is, like, clearly an allusion to nukes in in some ways, and I know that that's, like, the sum of what of the origin of the character, but, like, there's, uh, like, in particular, like, there's one thing Godzilla does where it's like, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) That's what that is. I I haven't seen... Yeah, I haven't seen this movie yet, but I have actually seen Godzilla from 1954, like, the original. Yeah. The vague allusions you're making to the plot, it sounds like, like might be a remake. I don't, I don't know how similar this minus one is to that. Uh, but it is about, it is broadly follows, it follows a kamikaze pilot who refused to uh, kill himself in the line, like he refused to carry through with his action, and like the shame he carries with that. Uh, and he sees Godzilla like during the war, the final days of the war, and then later once the war is over and he's recovering, he has to go back and fight Godzilla. Okay, no kamikaze pilot in in sure. the original, but um, the the feeling of like post war like anxieties about like the bomb and all that sort of stuff like very very similar yeah. to the to the original. Um, I would recommend you check that out, but that was an old wreck. Um, yeah, did, I, need uh, to, I need to get on that. Did either of you see Shin Godzilla? I did not. No. no, that's another Godzilla I need to see. Yeah, because so like that one, Godzilla. it's like um, I think that one came out around the time where like uh, Universal. I forgot. Was it Universal or Universal. Warner Bros? Uh, but like, well, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. You can... Like the 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 Western company that holds the rights to Godzilla, like made mm-hmm. their Godzilla, like the the MonsterVerse Godzilla movie. Yeah, that one yeah. came out around the same time as well. That's like another Japanese take on Godzilla. So, like, I'm just curious, like, because I always wonder, like, what's same and what's different about Minus One compared to Shin, because, like, they were both, like, very similar when it comes to, because they were both from, like, a Japanese perspective. On yeah, the, both. Uh, I will say, of the Godzilla movies I have seen, Godzilla Minus One is my favorite one, for sure. But I haven't seen, I've only seen, seen, like, the modern, I've only seen, like, I saw the Brian Cranston one where he dies in the first 20 minutes, and mm-hmm. then... And then Godzilla. I saw, yeah. But then I saw the one that was after that, and then I saw Godzilla vs King Kong. Okay, so yeah, so, so using yeah, Godzilla, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Godzilla vs Kong. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, what else have you been? Um, also, wanted to quickly shout out. I, this is one of my better letterboxed reviews, I think, for this one. I said, in the Jacob Alordi Elvis voice, "Come on now, Zilla, you can't be doing that." <laughs> Zilla. <laughs> Because it's like Zilla. I was thinking you would say that, Zilla. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, I also watched the 1947, I believe, movie Black Narcissist. This is a... Powell and Pressburger are the directors. They were a pair of British directors who did a lot of things together. Uh, This movie is very, very well crafted. Unfortunately, very racist. Uh, Just like like the premise of it is like it's just so baked in and it's like the kind of thing the review i wrote for it is here let me pull it up because i yeah i said if you accept the underlying logic of the of this film it examines its themes and characters in a nuanced highly visual and evocative way unfortunately the underlying logic of this film is very racist so if you like if you accept the fundamental premise uh like it's yeah it's like a super well-crafted movie but kind of horrible (laughs) Is, is that the one that's set in Nepal? It's I in thought it was India. It's in the India. Himalayas. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Himalayas. Yeah. That's why I thought that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's because it's about a, like a nun or like a, a convent. Yeah. 
but I was like, I, I remember yeah. hearing about it, and it was like, oh, it's in such an interesting location. Like, yeah, and it, it, it is like it's in some ways a very interesting movie, and I, but yeah, but and like very gorgeous, but yeah, whatever. Uh, I also I also saw the movie the Coen Brothers film Burn After Reading, uh, and after watching this, I was shocked to see that it's not like super high rated because I thought this movie was yeah. hilarious and also just like just very clever as well. I saw one rate review that said. Uh, this is potentially the Coen Brothers' meanest movie, and I kind of agree with that. But I also think that it's it's quite empathetic in other ways. Like I, I think that some characters are for a lot of empathy, but it's definitely a lot of like all of these characters. Like the Coen Brothers have the co- constant thing of like characters that are kind of too dumb to ever solve their problem. Like they're they're trapped in they're trapped in by forces greater than themselves, and nothing they could do could get them out of it. Uh, and these are like kind of it's like dialed dialing that up like really high but i think this movie was super super funny uh really well written really well acted last thing i've been watching i started watching the sitcom abbott elementary very funny this is like a this is just a network sitcom very funny this was one where i think immediately i could tell like um that it had legs watching the first episode because you know like the first season or so of a sitcom i find is never the most incredible thing because you like you haven't figured it out yet like if you think parks and rec and the office and whatever like and community as well like the first seasons of all those shows are both a little like okay and so there's a bit of that going on but it was actually still quite a strong first season uh and i'm on season two now because i've it's i've watched it very quickly and it's you know it's half hour episodes um and it's very funny it's very funny and good i would recommend it to people not gonna um, lie like community season one was quite good like out it's, of all it's, the, I think it's rocky compared to the rest of the. Well, maybe not the whole rest of the show, but compared to like yeah, season yeah, yeah, yeah. three, especially like yeah. No, 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 it definitely yeah. gets better, but like yeah, I still I love Community. It's like yeah. my my all time top sitcom. I was gonna ask though, how is season two? Because I think I I think I got through all of season one, and then I haven't had a chance to check out season two yet. So, how far have you got? How does it compare? Uh, I think it's it's very similar i I think they have like relaxed into their characters a little bit more and so i think like the dynamics are like a little more like you know like the classic sitcom thing of like the more sitcom eases into itself the less setup they need to do because they don't need to explain why characters are doing anything they can just kind of like do like like they need they can in very quick lines and very quick scenes establish this is what this character is doing for this episode and that's why and so like i think there's a little bit more of that and yeah i think it's stronger Cool. Uh, so, yeah, maybe I'll check that out. Uh, for me, in terms of TV shows, I've been continuing Better Call Saul. I think I have, like, three episodes left. Um, it's making me sad, like, a little bit. Like, like, like I, I had to watch two in a row because I was just, like, so engrossed. Um, it broke the spell of, like... Peter, you didn't... You weren't here for this, but, like, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2, and I'm, like like literally like addicted to it like more than i'm playing that game more than i've ever played a video game in my entire life um, wait alex anyways, i like to ask uh how many total hours i don't know i don't know how to check anyways but anyways okay. i love my little i love my little horsey game and i like uh riding around and you don't you don't find it boring not at all not in the slightest okay. it's like i can't believe that you found this game boring like if you love westworld you're in westworld that's what this is it's westworld the game Anyways. Dude, okay, I just remember me, like, pulling a gun on someone and then immediately getting hunted down. And I was like, yo, what is this it's game? So, 
Yeah, I'm supposed no, to have fun. <laughs> no, what I love is like your actions have consequences. Here I am That's wrecking true. the game again. Um, but like, maybe I'll like, try it again sometime. Like, if you have done some bad things, you have a bounty on you, and it will just keep increasing, and it won't go away unless you pay off your bounty. And like, I have bounties that are like three hundred dollars, and I'm like, I'm not paying that money. Fuck you. And so then I will just eternally have. Uh, lawmen and bounty hunters chasing after me and they are not easy to kill they like I, I had about like for a while when I was like I'll fight these guys whatever I'll say I can take them I had about a 50% success rate sometimes welcome I'd get them to, uh, sometimes they'd get me like uh, it's hard welcome to gaming podcast with Alex you know who yeah. else loves Red Dead though uh, Jack Quaid Jack Quaid uh, loves Red Dead Redemption too. it's a good game uh, yeah. Anyways, but like, okay, before we move on, I gotta ask you one last question. Okay. Have you been like on the scale? You know, lawful, mm. chaotic, good, evil. Where are you at right yeah, now? Yeah, no, this is a, a the system of the game has that I've kind of like been trying to figure out how I feel about it. And what I've noticed is it's just very difficult to be good or even neutral. Like, not even trying, I will just invariably end up doing bad things accidentally. <laughs> like, like there was one time I was in a very populated city and I was trying to figure out how to like where the dynamite is because like, oh, no. so like I just accidentally brought out a piece of dynamite and then it's like like all of a sudden it's like you're disturbing the peace like it'll tell you if you're doing a crime and it's like witnesses you have witnesses and then it's like investigating and because like i'm in a populated city they see me immediately and so then they're like hunted and you were being hunted run bitch <laughs> and so like i'm trying my That's best crazy. to escape this town but i also like i did some i made some poor choices in escape routes and so like right. i died like that time just because like accidentally took out a stick of dynamite i didn't even hurt anybody i put it away um but yeah it's 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 a very fun game uh uh but yeah so so i found that even though i was addicted to it better call Saul pulled me out and i watched some episodes and it was just as captivating and after finishing one episode because i was like updating the the xbox or whatever i was like i actually would prefer (laughs) to watch more of this than play the game Uh, that's that's how good that show is uh Wait, Alex, do you need context? Because I stopped Breaking Bad, I think. I think I have, like, two seasons, maybe, at the end? Sure. No, you you don't need. No. No. Not at all. Okay. If if you've met Saul, like, that is the only context you could need. But it is a standalone show. You can watch this show as its own thing and never have have Mm. seen Breaking Bad because that doesn't matter. It's, I mean, obviously it matters if you're, like, if if you know where that character ends up, Saul, but also the show, I feel like does a good job hinting at that a little bit with the black and white sequences. Um, yeah, it's it's a terrific show. You don't need to have seen Better Call Saul, and I'm almost I'm I'm probably gonna do a better uh, sorry a Breaking Bad rewatch once I'm done, but uh, Better Call Saul might be the show that I like better. It's Oh, very, wow. they're 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 different and also same, uh, but anyways, watch two episodes of that great, can't wait to finish. Uh, but also very sad. Two movies I watched: number one, Thanksgiving, um, the Eli Roth a slasher film. All I'll say is, like very very good direction for a script that is like quite stupid, um, or like the dialogue was really the issue I had. 
um, just characters who are like explaining all the time, like mm. clear, clearly, clearly, clearly setting up certain things and acting very bizarrely and saying things that wouldn't make sense for a person to say, only to set up inevitable payoffs, which makes those not quite as fulfilling because of course they're going to happen. You just basically said they're going to happen. Um, lots of that. Also, the killer's identity is so painfully obvious, not just in like things that like like if you know how movies work, it's kind of right. obvious, but also like in what characters are saying and visually, like the director gives it away and like like really like pounds it in. It's kind of like it almost wants you to know. And so then it's not like it, like there's no fun to it because it's like, oh, I know exactly who it is within five minutes of this movie starting and is addison ray yeah. in it yeah apparently i don't oh, i don't funny. really know she's not the main character though um hmm. but yeah i was just kind of like let down in that respect being like well this isn't fun i know who it is um because it's trying to be scream and it's not hmm. uh but like like the kill scenes like the the you know the slasher aspect of it phenomenal like really inventive kills very and also very very funny a very funny movie for us like and it's also a slasher it's kind of like um i don't know if slapstick's the right word but just like yeah like a little bit of slapstick like the kills sure. in themselves are funny but us also as i like someone i heard someone talking about it like it's not parody either like it's fully mm -hmm. enjoying the genre as it is right uh but yeah so like like well it's kind of like like x x is a little bit like that too i think uh, I can't even remember if that, like, if I found that funny, but I like the yeah, when I think I, I think this is a better movie. For spo spoiler, like spoiler for that movie, pew, pew pew Like when Jenna Ortega's character dies, like I think it's hilarious. Like she runs down a hall, comes out the door, and gets shot in the face. Like the moment she comes out, mm. and it's in this like why it's it's funny, whatever. Yeah, I I, I remember that actually. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty funny. Um, the other movie I've seen is Love Actually. Nice. Good? Did you watch that voluntarily? Mm, one might say no, but <laughs> I enjoyed it. Okay. See, like I realized no, you have a rating on it. Uh, I don't. I not, don't know of it. it. I don't. Is it a bad? Like I don't. I don't think of this as like, oh, it's love. Actually, like I don't know much. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's yeah. like a. It's like I a know it's classic. the movie with the signs. It's where it's where yes, Rick it Grimes is. has the signs. Up yes, the it thing. is. Yeah. British Rick Grimes. Yes. No, like I, I didn't take. Uh, I know. I didn't take Alex as a rom com guy. That's all, you know. No, I I did not watch this of my own accord. I watched it with Manny, and I loved it. And there's not a gun to my head. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, it was fine. There's <laughs> there's 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 parts of it that I thought were quite funny. I ge genuinely, um, there are a few scenes that I I you know I thought were really funny. And there's also one scene um, with Emma Thompson. That was surprisingly like heartbreaking, and I was like, "Oh, that's like a like a really sad moment actually." And so yeah, there's there's some there's some good in that movie. Bill Nighy is very funny. Not I I only know him as Squidman, Pirate Squidman, right. uh, and to see him be really just like horny, awful pop singer doing like a cover like like a Christmas album and like hating every minute of it. He's like like the character who you'll like revisit every so often but is no impact on anything like mm, the, he's the runner the least uh, if that's what mm. they're called sure 
But like, but <gasps> it disagrees it's with me. It down. does not agree with that. It it's thumbs down that. now. This is fascinating. I feel like I feel like I just got like a wave of like you know those horror films that are on Zoom. That's how I feel right now. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Like I'm on the Zoom. Like unfriended or whatever it is. Yeah. Yes, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. No, it was it was a, it was a fun movie. Um, yeah. Uh, next week. Probably poor things. This is one that I actually do know. Oh yeah. So oh, we what? might have we might oh have a guess for that. I'm so then. upset that Maybe. I missed guess. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say Peter, you might not want to skip next week because of that poor thing. I can't though. So, uh, well, exam or, obligation. Mm, that's your problem. Uh, figure it out. Uh, <laughs> school, whatever. Uh, but anyways, so check us out next week for poor things. If you like. Us, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Predator V Movies. If you like my thoughts on movies, check me out on Letterbox at Alex Gordon underscore. Did I say that right? Underscore Alex Gordon underscore. I leave reviews sometimes. You can also check me out on Letterbox. It's A10 Sunny. That's A10 S09. My name is. <laughs> my name is Wombo. My name is Wombo. I also leave reviews sometimes. You'll find me. Whatever. Wait, Aiden. Remind us. What is your. What is your profile picture again? Oh, you're slowing uh, down Cinnabon? again. It's a sloth. I'm trying to, Peter, I'm trying to get us, I'm trying to rev it. <laughs> I'm trying to leave. <laughs> Peter, do you have yeah. anything to plug? No. Great. Uh, oh, so you have to leave a review. You have to leave a review, leave a comment. Five stars, a baby. Five stars. Uh, just show us your love. Uh, Peter, tell us the code word for this week's episode. Just say a Wait, word, just say a word. Can I pick word. any word? That's yeah, it. Anyway. Wait, can I pick any okay. word? Wait, can okay, I pick okay, any good. word? No, no, no. That's chiller, it. chiller, <laughs> chiller. It has to be chiller, bro. Chiller. Chiller. Okay. Chiller, 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 bro, is the code. <laughs> <laughs> Three chillers and a bro uh, yeah. is the code word. That's how we know you've listened to this episode. Uh, you have to comment that. Chiller, 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 bro. Uh, we'll yep. see you next week. Uh, this is Predator V Movies. Bye. Bye. See ya.